Welcome back to Sew Organized Style Podcast. I'm Maria Theharis or Velo Sews and today is Friday, the Sewing Save series. Sew Organized Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, Welcome sew alongs, to Sew Organised Style Podcast. Our Today second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture Mending as she lodges it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Hi Maria, thank you for having us. It's an honour. Thank you both for coming on to Sew Organised Style Podcast. So when it comes to mending, do you find that people who live in populated areas are less likely to mend than people who live in remote areas? My initial answer to that would be that remote tend to be more rural and rural people tend to be a little bit more self-sufficient and don't have the same easy access to shops, fast fashion, etc. So that would have been my answer maybe a couple of years ago and it would be the initial thought. But if you dig down a little deeper, I think people are very, very much across the board starting to look at mending and reusing. I kind of hope in a way that this dreadful, awful pandemic might help that. People are having going to have to think about conserving. Yeah. I think there's going to be shortages. So yeah, and also I would have also said older people such as myself are probably more likely to mend. But again, a lot of younger people are starting to do it. I have younger people come to me and say, how do I do this? Because they're not taught it in school anymore. Yes. So kind of workshops sort of to help younger people is quite important so my take from the UK perspective is it's really topical at the moment it's really become topical and we're we're trying as our mending community to kind of ride that wave really and promote it even more I probably haven't really answered your question because I, I can't my basic answer is no I think it's across the board I don't know what we found in Norway what have you found Katrina I think it's maybe more mending in the cities because they have more access to workshops for younger people to learn. But previous, it was probably more on the country that people would do mending. And in cities, they have a larger access to like secondhand shops and so on. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's not been very popular here uh, earlier. Like when I grew up, my mother didn't want to go to secondhand shops because it meant you were poor. Yeah. Yeah. And the same with mending, wasn't it? Yeah. All mending should be invisible because if you had mended clothes, you were poor. It was shameful to have mended clothes. That was the same for me, really. That's why I was taught to mend invisibly. You know, it was always it was hidden. If it was if clothes were handed down, you didn't tell people that. Whereas now, it, people are proud to wear secondhand. How did you find that, Maria? I know you're asking the questions, Maria, but how how did you find that for you in, as an Australian? Again, as Katrine said, we didn't op shop when I was growing up because again, it meant that you were poor. What's an op shop? An opportunity shop. Oh, okay. So like a second-hand shop or a thrift shop. 
Yeah, thrift shop. Yep, sorry. So yeah. op shop in Australia is thrift shop in the UK, I think. We didn't buy secondhand and, you, again, you didn't talk about it because you didn't have enough money to buy something new and it's totally changed absolutely changed now mm. and for good reason but that ties in with the whole history of sewing and sewing needlework whatever you want to call it we'll bunch it all under sewing but sort of historically it's gone through hasn't it i mean there were times like elizabethan times when it was really high value so the really thick tapestries and everything they were all done by men you know all the main bits were it was credited to men a lot of women did it quietly behind the scenes mm. you know they, they were hugely popular really valuable and then you go through patches where they really weren't valuable and you know the whole history of sewing and it being elevated to an art form as well I mean I do consider myself a little bit of a textile artist I do make and sew art that sells so maybe I am a little bit of a textile artist it wasn't even considered art for a long time because it was considered women's work which was a derogatory term yeah so it kind of ties in with the whole thing it goes through phases but definitely growing up it was not something to shout about and now my boys you know who have all grown up now my eldest is 27 I think I've just mended all his jeans and I've done it visibly and he adores it you know he loves the patches and people come to me jeans is my favorite thing to mend I love Jenny yeah people come to me all the time can you fix this and you think Christ you know do you know how much work Katrine's like you should charge people you should charge people but how could you put a price if it takes me 10 hours to do like hand stitching to make something look beautiful you people aren't going to pay 100 pound have their jeans mended i think that's one thing that the value of it perhaps needs addressing when i'm you know when i do my political bit and i'm in power i shall raise the price for hand sewing i think yeah i i think you need to raise the prices for uh women's work absolutely it's not considered work it's considered a hobby exactly so people doesn't want to pay for it no when i was growing up my grandmother actually did visibly mending and my mother thought this was bloody awful <laughs> <laughs> she was before her time she never got close with fitted and wanted to have pockets on everything we all love a pocket yeah, she wanted the pockets you know ladies clothes doesn't have proper pockets mostly they're small pockets or fake pockets. It's very annoying. I often go to the men's section to get a proper jacket with pockets. And I'm quite tall and all the clothes often have too short sleeves. So I have to adjust them or make them longer. So I did a lot of crocheting on my sweaters when I was younger. And my mom hated it. It looked like my grandma. <laughs> Katrine does beautiful work. Your sleeve extensions are beautiful. You have to go and have a look, Maria. You'll, you'll have to go and have, have a roam through. But Katrine does beautiful crochet sort of at the end. And also you've done this. Well, I've seen where you've had a sweater or a jacket that's too small, too not long enough in the body. Katrine's cuts the middle out and puts a crochet strip in. Yeah. Absolutely stunning and really clever. Very clever. Yeah, it's called crochet hacking. Oh, really? Crochet hacking. Yeah, and it's really fun. I often buy clothes secondhand and just because I like the texture or the fabric or something and then I alter it to something different or something that suits me. It doesn't have to be my size. I just make it something different. So it might be the colour or the shape that you like and then you'll make the adjustment yourself? Yes, I mostly buy my clothes secondhand if I can. Sometimes I buy something new but I prefer secondhand. I suppose at least if it's secondhand, you're giving it a, another lifetime where it, it had already ended its life by that stage. Yeah, 
and I like impossible projects too. People come to me with uh, things that are, yeah, they think they're going to throw it away because it's ruined, and it's my favorite. If people say it can't be fixed, I just have to try. <laughs> I'm totally hopeless about that one. There's no such thing as impossible for you. Uh, no, I need to give it a try. Yeah. And at the moment, I'm mending a sweater for my mother. She has got Alzheimer's and she hasn't taken good care of it. And it had stains and holes. It has a lot of fuss on it. Or uh, Susie, what is it called? The pilling, the little black balls. Yeah, the little balls, the pilling. Pilling, yeah. I had to shave it. And my sister said, you need to toss this one. But it's uh, one of my mother's favorites. So I'm going to fix it. That's very important for your mother because it's the memories of that garment that you're giving back to her. Yeah, and it's a bit of romantic because my father said, oh, you can't toss that because she looks so good in that one. So I'm going to fix it, yeah. That just sums up the importance of mending. That kind of, if you wanted one little snapshot that, to explain to people why mending is important, I think Katrine's just given it to you. That's why it's immense value. There's a lot more to a piece of fabric than just a piece of fabric. I get kind of attached to my clothes, uh, strangely enough. And I don't like to toss away my favourites, even if kind of hopeless. Mm -hmm. So I keep on mending. Like my wool shirt, do you remember, Susie? Yeah. It's uh, like over 15 years old and I still keep mending it. Yeah, I've got a jumper like that. My jumper that is more darn than jumper now, but it's special to me. I mean, you, there's hardly any of the original jumper left. It's nearly all darn, <laughs> but I still wear it and I still love it. And that shirt I amended for my hubby's friend. Do you remember that blue one? Oh, God. With all the darns and holes and had to have... I thought I would have called that a, a floor cloth almost ready for the compost heap, but Katrine fixed yeah. it, didn't you? It was almost that. And he doesn't get to wear it because his son uh, wants to wear it all the time. Oh, really? Because it's the cooler one. Of course. Yeah. We've had just such fascinating things. My favourite was a lady that sewed together her laundry basket. So I've had to do it now. I've had to, I've sewed mine together. But, you know, and people sewing, somebody sewed a wooden chair back didn't they? They drilled holes and actually stitched to mend that. And yeah. some of it is just fascinating what people do. And it doesn't have to be big men's. I mean, I mend my husband's boxer shorts and he goes, bar me if I post them on Instagram, but I do sneak them in sometimes. You know, and people would throw them away because they're just cheap old boxer shorts. But to me, it's just mend them. You know, I can't, every tiny little scrap, you know, we use every scrap, don't we? So we'll save the cut off bits of cotton I mean I made my mask and it's just every tiny scrap and there's tiny little bits of material in there that I might have had a piece this big 10 years ago and now it's about that big but I still treasure that and the memories it's got I have to use it for something so yeah yeah maybe we're just mad but maybe <laughs> who knows yeah I use everything too and I used to make uh, like applique you know, like my red jacket, I made birds on it with small scrap. Applique. Yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful. I've got a T-shirt that Dream made me. That is a lady doing yoga. It's really, really good. Really beautiful picture. And I do use that because I do yoga every day. So I do wear my T-shirt. But that's with lots and lots of tiny scraps. Yeah. That's really clever. It's actually a... Yeah, that, it was. Okay. It's got red hair. 
It's yeah. a self-portrait. And she, yeah. she's doing her yoga on, on this on my chest every day. So <laughs> that's really good. But also if it gets too frayed and you can't sew with it, then I would use it for stuffing. And I use my tumble yeah. dryer fluff for stuffing. So everything has a use. I use tumble dry sheets, I will sew on them. I use them for embroidery, tea bags. I think Tessa Wyatt's been doing a, a big series with tea bags. I've kind of used tea bags not as good as she does. She's a really good artist. Use, you know, just stitch on anything. You can stitch on anything. Oh, packaging. I love using plastic packaging to sew, to make things with. Just use everything. Just look at something, think about it, and it, it will come to you what you can use it for. Yeah. Don't throw it away. Keep it out of landfill. Yeah, I save about everything because I probably can use it for something later. Absolutely. Um, people are coming to me with like uh, fabrics and uh, used clothes because they know I will use it later. So people donate to me to so I can make something new out of it. So when people donate to you, do they expect something back or they're just happy for you to take it off their hands? Mostly they're just happy that I would use it for something different so they don't have to toss it or give it to some strangers. That's great. I, I get given lots of jeans particularly because I use them a lot so I'm always being given denim things. Generally speaking I'll end up making something for them out of it but yeah way down the line something will, will find its way back. I mean, seven, a pair of jeans someone gave me seven years ago. The lady I've just made a, a face mask for the lady um, because she's got a toddler who is really frightened we have to wear them over here now yes um, and her little girl is petrified when her mum put on like this you know the blue surgically looking one mm. she was frightened mm. so I've made I've got the mum's jeans and I had the little girl's first pair of dungarees the little girl had that were denim that she gave me years ago and I added them to these jeans so there's like a little bit of embroidery so the little girl's not frightened of her mum so she gave me the jeans she's been giving me jeans for about 10 years and I've used her jeans and her daughter's jeans and sent her a face mask that she can wear that doesn't frighten her daughter. But she didn't specifically ask for that, and she didn't know she was going to get her jeans back. So it's nice to do things like that. Yeah. Nice. It is nice. Yeah. I often make things for the people that donate to me too, but they don't ask for it. No, they don't ask. And often it's friends and family, and now I always make things for my friends and family. They're very lucky. Like the frankenpants I made for my sister, it's made out of two uh, two pair of trousers. Because she's so tall, she never gets uh, long enough trousers. So I made one. She made an attempt herself, but uh, it was not very good. So I made a pair out of two pairs. It's on my Instagram. That was a real fun project because no one think it was going to be good it gave you a headache they could be and it turned out a real fun project but at the time it gave you a yeah, headache trying to do it, it, did, it didn't and it and it was very awful yeah her attempt was very awful <laughs> well it's good that you took the time to make those trousers work for her yeah i like trying to do such things it's like a kind of therapy and i can't do anything else yeah it is it's good to be creative. To change therapy. You forget you're not uh, well. And you can just think about it, something else and having fun. And yeah, you forget about maybe pain. And, and it's like giving me new energy to do stuff. Yeah, that's a really important point as well. It is, I mean, I think a lot of people find different extents that slow stitching which mending can come under that, the kind of, if you know, if you're stitching by hand, it, it does come under the slow stitching. And an awful lot of people do find a safe haven in that 
that little bit of time that they have to sit and do that. And I think particularly during the pandemic, I've noticed a lot more people taking the time to sit and do something quiet and creative. And it is soothing. And you can think back through all of the years and years and through all your ancestors that have maybe sat doing exactly the same thing. And if you're reusing sort of vintage or thrifted items, then you've got all that history there as well in your hands. And it is a soothing type of meditative process, I suppose, without being, you know, weird hippy dippy about it. It's <laughs> it, it, it's soothing. There's there's a lot to mending. There's a lot to sewing. There's a lot more to it than women's work. There is a lot to it. So on that point of mending being women's work, do you have followers and menders who are men? Yeah. Yes, we do. We do have that. I have a friend called Jamie who, I mean, I do a lot of country sports, uh, which isn't always very popular. I have a friend called Jamie through that He's a kind of like a shooter, but he's also um, he's also an amazing upholsterer, and we've we've got him mending, haven't we, Katrine? Yeah. He makes really high quality sort of Roman blinds and things like that, and we've got him into mending. So we have men that we have converted to mend. There are some amazing men out there doing some amazing work. So kind of textile artists and people that actually mend, and we try to kind of balance and have have men sometimes post for us have come on a bit of a stumbling block I wanted to sort of do a, a men's mend but obviously you have to be conscious of the you know the different gender issues that are about today that's right being inclusive yeah, yeah. Um, which and I should have actually asked that question is do you have non-women who mend not men who mend so I'm sorry about that yeah no no don't be sorry at all it's it's a trap that I tend to fall into myself so yeah we have people across the whole gender we have people that like to be addressed as she people that like to be addressed as he people that like to be addressed as they or them we have people completely across the board and that's another reason why we're a community as I've said at the beginning, I think people from all backgrounds, we are completely inclusive. We're looking at their mending. We're, you know, it's a completely safe place, I think. We've had no issues, have we, Katrine? We've not had any. No. We haven't had to shout about it. We're here quietly welcoming whoever. Yeah. Come and mend your safety. Everybody's just more interested in mending and reusing stuff. Yeah. We're just more in for it for the fun and yeah. Not on Instagram, yeah. Our place is a, a safe, quiet place to come and share your mending, share your sewing, share your ideas about recycling. You know, and we've got some amazing people doing some amazing work. The toy hospital, my favourite. The toy hospital? The toy hospital, yeah, it's amazing. There's a toy hospital. Tell me about that. There's uh, some people called, it's Leith Toy Hospital, which is in Edinburgh in Scotland. Leith is part of um, Edinburgh, Scotland. And there's a couple there and they mend toys, but they're just brilliant. People send their toys and they kind of put pictures of them going in and make up. They've got a little drip on and they're having their operations and they fix the toys. But they've been absolutely fantastic during the pandemic as well, haven't they, Katrine? They've been making little face masks for children and putting face masks on teddies. And they've done so much work, again, quietly in the background, not shouting about it. But they're one of my favourite people that we found through mending was the toy hospital fantastic and there's recycle what the, the cafes yeah. repair cafes as well we've had where people i don't know if you probably do have them in australia as well but where people can go to a venue and there's people there that can sew there's men there that can mend electric so it's like a repair cafe right take their items that are broken and somebody there will either fix them or help you show you how to fix them they're great we've, we've had a few of those yeah it's not just mending clothes or fabric it's the whole mending spectrum 
spectrums. When it comes to mending and toys, does that also include mending toys for childcare and aged care? Yes, I believe the toy hospital and I'm not sure what the policies but yeah I would believe it would do yeah I think that's again like Katrina will know this even more so because sadly her mum has suffered with age but it is very important to, ha- to have that kind of familiarity the same as a child likes their teddy or their comfort blanket my understanding is that an older person suffering Alzheimer's or something like that would want would want a comfort I know when I was poorly I wanted the comfort of you know a certain jumper or yeah so I have a quilt which is much mended that I've had many 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 years it's been through many things with me when I was in hospital I had my quilt and that was important it's important when your memory is fading uh, but you have uh, familiar stuff around so I see it with my mother she likes what she knows uh, what is comforting to her like it the smell and the feel feeling texture and uh, I don't know. I know from my experience, it was also a matter of making albums of the family when we were younger because that's how mum remembered us. So having that so that she could go through it. Yeah. You've been through this with your mum, Maria? Yeah, so she had a doll she felt comfortable with. So she had Alzheimer's at the time and the head of the doll had come off. So I had to mend it. I really should have taken a photo, but the reason I did that was because she felt comfortable and I had the skill to sew it and it was definitely visible mending. <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? And and do you find, perhaps not with at that end of your life, but with the other, the younger end of your life, the mended becomes part of one of the men march prompts is oldest, I think, and it's people did be a lot of us did the same, almost the same teddy bear. We'd obviously all been born around the same time and been given the same teddy. We all showed this almost the same teddy and I'd had it since the day I was born and now I'm 52. So it's had many men's and there's men's on it that my grandmother did, my mother did. Oh. There's men's that I'd, I'd tried to do when I was three or four, which are absolutely awful, but I won't fix them now because that was what I did then. And then there's more up-to-date men's and the men's, the feeling of the, the stitches that I know my grandmother put in when I was a child or my mother, they've become part of the whole. They're part mm. of the teddy and they're just as precious. And I think that's another really yeah. big thing about mending is my sons now, I mean, we're not soppy family at all and they're big men, but they can put on those jeans and know and their mum's so yeah. fat, you know, loving every stitch or whatever. My husband, when he puts on his boxer shorts that I've mended with lovely flowery material, every time he goes for a wee, he can think, my wife loves me enough to put flowers on my undies. It's important. I have a lot of old tablecloths, uh, tablecloths that I inherited from my mother-in-law. And they are, some had some stains and spots and, well, I mended them so I can use them because uh, I did like my mother-in-law very much and uh, I think it's nice to take care of her things and uh, the good memories. She also teached me to go to flea markets which was something my mother never liked, you know, because it was like being poor. And even though it was quite age different, we was very good friends. And I have taken care of her tablecloths that she liked so much and probably found on a flea market. But they are hand-stitched. And also I did this to my grandmother's tablecloth that I got inherited because they were very worn. She had embroidery herself. She was very creative and knitted and crochet and embroidery. 
is the one who made the visible men's too. And my other grandmother also did uh, mostly crochet. You've both got such a history of mending in your backgrounds that it really does make perfect sense that you live and breathe mending now. Yeah, I guess so. I never really thought that I, you saying we have history in our mending in our background, I hadn't really thought of that. But yes, I guess we do, I guess, yeah. And taking it forward is like, Katrine does with her beautiful tablecloths and you need to see the work because Katrine doesn't mm. shout about it like I do she's not quite as shouty look at me as I am but the work she does is amazing and that is to treasure the memory is so valuable I yes I mended a peg bag that belonged to my mother-in-law which had been chucked at the bottom and had mold on and what have you and I mended that and it's really precious to me and I didn't know my mother-in-law I'd have loved to have known her but I didn't but I feel I have a connection yeah now just because I mended something that was hers yeah and Tim's father my husband's father and his grandfather Tim has some of their handkerchiefs and they're really fraying and I have done sorry I've done invisible mending on them but preserve them for him it's you treasure that people treasure their memories and and I think if the memory is in the form of an object or a piece of fabric, how wonderful to be able to preserve that. Exactly. It's a great thing to keep and to remember those people. The mending examples that Katrine and Susie have discussed today clearly link mending to wonderful memories. Making sure we avoid landfill is an aspect many people discuss when, in reality, the mending driving force for Katrine and Susie is all about saving wonderful memories. Thank you again to Katrine and Susie for being on the podcast this week as part of the Sewing Save series. So Organised Style podcast was produced by Nina-Maria Theoharis with permission of Katrine and Susie, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Libsyn. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on your Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.